I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of the How To Do Marketing Academy, as well as small business marketing agency, Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's my mission to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally-based small business in Australia. Why? Because I know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. Never underestimate the potential power of a truly optimised small business website. And while websites are obviously made up of lots of code and other bits of content, The words that you choose to include on your website are a crucial component to ensure that your website is found when somebody is searching for something that you sell on Google. So I'm speaking with communication and digital marketing specialist Lauren McAllister from Web Studio in this episode. Lauren is sharing how carefully crafted copy, along with the right placement of this copy, can drive valuable traffic to your website. Now, stick with me here. I kind of liken a healthy website to that of a healthy gut. And I know that this sounds a bit strange, but if you have really healthy gut function and a nice diverse microbiome, then your immune system is generally pretty strong. Your digestion hums, your moods are regulated. Like if you've done any kind of research into the gut and the benefits of a healthy gut, you'll see it's pretty much responsible for every function in your body, your brain, um, immune, as I said, digestive, everything. But if you have an unhealthy gut, everything just seizes up. And so many of your bodily functions remain dormant. And whilst this is a really strange analogy, and I'm really not sure why my mind goes there, it's quite true for a website as well. The website should be the engine room of your marketing ecosystem. All marketing campaign roads will ultimately lead to your website. So whatever you do, don't let these roads lead to a dud or even worse, make sure that your website is actually on the main map. Okay, enough analogies. I'm sure you get my point. Fortunately, Lauren, along with Simon Bank, who is the founder and web developer at Web Studio, they're actually one of our marketing partners in the How to Do Marketing Academy. And so this means that our members can actually turn to these guys for for website audits or creation to make sure that they are getting that really, really healthy website. And it's really crucial that we do ensure that our members have this humming website presence before investing in any of the marketing campaigns because we know that this crucial you know how crucial this element is when it actually comes to converting some of the high impact marketing campaigns that will get going and it also means that we can actually keep our costs 
really effective and, and low. Because again, the last thing we want to do is spend good money and good time creating fantastic marketing that leads back to a website that doesn't allow um, you know, someone to convert to a customer. So enough from me, grab a pen and some paper and uh, let me introduce you to Lauren. Hello, Lauren, and welcome to the How To Do Marketing Show. Hi, Jane. How are you today? (laughs) Well, thank you. Really well and excited about our conversation. But before we start um, with our little Q&A, can you please tell us a little bit about your communications background and how you've landed in the role that you are in today? It's been quite a journey. Um, I have I actually have a journalism degree and I started at Sky News in Sydney once I graduated. I relocated to Dubbo actually um, after a couple of years at Sky to um, my husband is a physiotherapist and he got a job out there and I was working at the ABC in Dubbo for um, around a couple of months and I remember thinking regional journalism that's got to be better than this 24 hours start at 3am business it'll be it'll be much more work-life balance but um, it's still pretty pretty full on Um, you know big days as a regional journo they want you to be writing content filming content voicing content Um, and then yeah around a couple of months I'd been there I had some a twin pregnancy sprung upon me by surprise which was lovely but also pretty confronting (laughs) and and, um so I went off to have my boys and a couple of months in I sort of thought I'm going to start looking elsewhere uh because managing two two babies and working in the journalism industry was it was going to be tough because you've got to be on call a lot and anyway I I wrote an article actually um, about my pregnancy experience. It was a bit horrifying. And um, it got published in the Huffington Post online magazine, you know, mm-hmm. and a friend of a friend showed it to somebody who worked in marketing and they hired me. <laughs> Amazing. Um, knowing all those fun personal details. So <laughs> I started there as a copywriter um, and I worked in that wonderful agency for four years and my role evolved um, and it was beautiful work-life balance. Um, I still in my heart do love journalism, but I, I did find as this role expanded how much I loved helping businesses grow, especially those smaller, medium-sized businesses, seeing the results and getting to sharing that um, was really fun. And then I relocated to Port Macquarie um, a couple of years ago, and I've been working remotely for that agency, but I've just signed on with Simon at Web Studio, um, and we're launching a marketing service here. So that's really exciting too. It's really exciting. We are so happy to have you in our town. And uh, we have worked with Simon um, through the Academy as well as through Dragonfly Marketing. We've worked with Simon for many years now. He's a fabulous person. Um, He's also coming up in an episode on the How to Do Marketing show. So you guys teaming up together is a fantastic combination. So that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. And as I said, so happy to have you join us in, in Port Macquarie. So this, this episode, I mean, obviously you're an expert at the, the written word and communications and journalism is your strong point, which is awesome. 
But this episode, I'd really love to pick your brains specifically about small business website communication, particularly about the copy that we need to include on our main website pages, as well as within our blog content. So first of all, can you explain the difference between what we need to write on our kind of main homepage, about us page, like the the main navigational pages, versus how we might approach our dynamic content or our blog articles? Great question. Um, So your homepage, look, people these days have a pretty short attention span. Um, So when they land on your homepage, you've probably got about 10 to 15 seconds to really clearly communicate who you are, what you're about, what you do, and most importantly, how you can help them. So that's what I think of the homepage as it's sort of, it's, it's often the first impression a business will ever have, uh, a person will ever have of your business. So a homepage needs to give them a little bit of an idea about who you are and what your business is and what you stand for. You want to convey that personality of your brand, of course, um, key services and products. So that's the what you do. You, they need to be able to, at a glance on your homepage, see all the services you provide or products you provide, whatever your business is. Um, and most importantly, yes, how you can help them. So I believe that your UVP, your unique value proposition should be really present on your homepage. Yeah. So content for the homepage needs to be written in a way that I understand your problems and here's how we can help. Um, so for, for an example, I had a client that was a flour mill um, their key target audience were bakers. And so their, their main pain points, their main problems are late deliveries, inconsistent product. You know, they get flour and they bake something out of it and then they get the same flour next time and it's a different thing altogether. They need something that's consistent and they need it on time. So the homepage for this client, one of the key messages front and centre when you landed on their homepage was sick of late deliveries and an inconsistent product. And then you create content that demonstrates how you are positioned to help them. So your homepage is overarching. You need to get a lot of information about who you are out quite quickly. Mm. So that's the way I think of a homepage. Uh, Whereas blog articles are generally addressing an area of concern or providing advice and guidance um, or or sharing a specific part about your brand. So it's more a niche-er audience. Um, You can break your target audience down into sections and have blogs that address each each sort of section of that audience. Um, And also they are really helpful for SEO, which I know that we'll get to down the track. But um, like... If somebody is looking for a psychologist, for example, um, they're not necessarily going to type in psychologist or counsellor yeah. to Google. If if they're suffering anxiety, they might be typing into Google tips to manage anxiety yeah. or mindfulness exercises. Yeah. Um, so this is where the blogs come in and they catch people in that section of the funnel where they know what their problem is, they know what their pain point is, mm. um, they may not be ready to seek out help yet or to purchase the product or use the service yet, but you're getting them into your funnel through these blogs that really speak to them and, and communicate well to them. So that's sort of the way I think um, as a blog. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's such an awesome description and, and such a great differentiation between the two pieces of content. And I love your description there and your example of the unique value proposition that you spoke about, particularly with the flour mill there, because I know something that I notice a lot of small business um, and a lot of small businesses, I guess a common mistake of a lot of small businesses and big businesses in some instances is they think they're actually differentiating themselves or they think that they're actually um, communicating their unique value, but actually you're kind of saying the same thing as everybody else. And in your example of, you know, sick of late deliveries and an inconsistent product, you can imagine, like I can already imagine that all the other flour mills trying to speak to these bakers would be all about, you know, maybe family history, you know, flowers being a, a legacy business or customer service or, you know, all the, the typical words that people use. So to go straight in with that hook, using the language and the pain point that's been clearly identified is really, really clever. Yeah, and it's about also framing the content in a way that's less, here's what we can do for you and why we're so good and more. We understand who you are. Yes. We can identify with what you're going through and here's how we can help you. It's just reframing it to be more about them, less about you. (laughs) Yeah, and just really simple. It doesn't need to be 10 points. It doesn't need to be all the list of value. It's just a simple we can deliver on time and a consistent product. That's it. And then the content everywhere else in their strategy, including other pages on the website, is all framed around those pain points. So we did a corporate video that shows their process, that shows how quality control is such a big deal and why the product will always be consistent. We did blog articles talking and testimonials from people that say, yes, delivery is always on time, sensational. Like all your content that you frame around that, those pain points, it's not just the blogs and the websites, it sort of drives everything from there as well. Yeah. So then people start talking about the consistency and the on time instead of another flour mill. Yeah. Or just another flour mill. I love it. Perfect. Um, So one of the most important things that our website needs to achieve is visibility within search engines, mainly Google. I know there's others, but let's face it, most of us use Google. Yes. In order (laughs) to become visible to people who are searching for what we sell, we can ensure that our website is optimised for search. So some people might know that as search engine optimization, or again, as SEO. So can you explain SEO or search engine optimization and why it should be incorporated into a small business website? Um, so SEO is, is a quite a broad term. As you mentioned, it refers to sort of just how your website is optimised for Google and other search engines. Um, It comes down to a huge plethora of different things that contribute um, to being an SEO-friendly website. Um, If I'm covering the main sort of top-level points, the things that we're looking for are technical things like, and that's Simon's area of expertise here at Lawrence Studio. Um, As part of our team, when we're doing sort of an SEO assessment of a website, he's checking things like site speed, whether it's mobile friendly. You can do all the SEO copywriting in the world and make sure that your keywords are all over your website. But if you've got a slow website with huge pictures that take forever to load and a website that's not mobile friendly, 
your ranking is going to be hugely impacted. So that's step one, have a well-built website um, is, is sort of what the first thing we're looking at. Authority is also a factor. So this is where backlinks come in. The more people that are outside your website that are linking back to it, um, Google sees you as a, as a figure of authority and it ranks you well. And uh, I know that there are services where you can pay to have backlinks to your website. Google knows. Don't do it. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, we want backlinks from other really relevant, well-respected websites. Yes. So... For example, one of my clients was uh, a brewery equipment manufacturer. Um, we partnered up with some brews news type magazines, really well-respected publications in their industry, um, and they became contributors publishing content to their website as a contributor, which then links back to their website, and that's a really great authoritative backlink that Google loves. So wow. partner content. It's another big thing. Um, right. Content on page, so that's our keywords. So that plays a huge role um, and that's where keyword research comes into play. So we use a paid tool uh, called SEMrush. Um, we can use that to research how your domain's performing amongst your competitors. So it's really quite fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so keyword, keyword research is who is my target audience, what are there problems? Therefore, what are they searching for in Google? Mm. That's the first step. You don't just want to go searching, like thinking, oh, I think this is what people would type. So mm. I'm going to start incorporating those keywords into my content. No, you actually want to do the research to know what people are searching for. Um, for example, if people are type you, you sell shoes and you think I'm going to go running shoes, I'm going to have running shoes as one of my focus keywords through research, I might be able to tell you that in actual fact, more people are searching for running sneakers. Mm. So mm. that might be a better word to be prioritising. We, we love having different versions and that's, that's what we would do anyway, but it's sort of like what you think people are searching for may not actually be what people are searching for. So that's the key lesson there. We yeah. also look at competitivity um, of the keywords as a factor. So if you're a local credit union, I wouldn't recommend going after home loans because the big banks are paying big money yeah. <laughs> to rank for those and the traffic coming through to those websites every day, we can't compete with that. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. But there are other ways as a credit union to be found on Google, as I mentioned. So yeah. um, you do your yeah. keyword research and then once you have a idea of and what their interests are, you make sure that those keywords are in your content. So that's in your blogs or through your service pages, on your homepage, making sure that those keywords are all through your website and um, there's lots of places they need to be, which we yeah. can go into, yeah. yeah. But um, it's authority, um, technical and on-page SEO backlinks. They're the sort of top-level yeah. Yeah. places. Yeah. So, so um Two questions there. In terms of those partner links that you were talking about, like the most ideal link, do you mean when, it, 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 like exactly like the example that you gave, that you've got one site linking to your site and then your site's linking back to this? So there's like that reciprocal link. It, that's great, but Google cares mostly about sites linking back to your it site. Is. Got it. So right. 
there's backlinks and then there's internal links. So if I'm ever publishing oh. a blog article, yes. I am always linking to at least two or three other pages on that website. So there'll be a contact us if put in internal links that link back to your website. Blogs that have internal links, that helps your ranking. But external links from other websites is awesome because that helps with your authority. Google thinks, oh, look how many well-known, respected, authoritative websites are linking back to this website. Um, That's a great thing. Yeah, right. Okay. Excellent. Fantastic. Then when you're saying about doing your research um, for keywords to find out, because I think it goes back to the example you gave about the psychologist as well, you know, but I think as business owners, we know all the terminology that we use within the industry um, and yes. the you know the terminology that we use is generally not as as technical as the terminology that our customers use, let alone from a different perspective. Because some customers don't know what they don't know yet, so they don't know that Correct. the answer to their anxiety is a psychologist um, or a counsellor or who, whoever you might be looking to, to kind of snabble that person. So when you're actually looking for those keywords, what is the research that you're doing there? Are you actually going and asking people or are you using keyword research tools? The keyword research tools are great, but to me, and again, I think this this goes back to my storytelling journal sort of background, is you can't be writing anything without knowing the person that you're writing it for in every detail. You need to be thinking of the different ways they might be looking for you, the different problems they might have. So I always believe in talking to people. So I do, I do really strongly believe in asking as well. Um, another one of my old clients was a migration agent in Sydney, in North Sydney, and there was no point again in chasing migration agent Sydney. Huge competitivity, lots of people paying money for those keywords. But I said to her, and one of the visas that she specialised in was partner visas, and I said to her, okay, and and business owners know their customers, even if they don't know how much they know, they do. And I said to her, okay, so when somebody that wants a partner visa sits in front of you, what are their pain points? What are the questions they're always asking you? And she said, oh, stat decks. None of them know how to fill out statutory declarations. And it's really quite difficult because you don't know what's relevant, what to include, what you're missing. That, that is one of the key frustrations and pain points for my customers. So we wrote a blog titled What to Put in a Statutory Declaration for a Partner Visa. It was fully optimised and made sure we shared it widely and it is now the key page that is used to get people onto her website. It is viewed hundreds of times a month. It is the main way that her website is found through Google. And that all came down to asking the question, what are your customers worried about? What Mm. are their main issues? Mm. And that's so all the keyword research is sensational because you can see what people are searching for. So it gives you an idea, but I always think it really just comes down to knowing your customers and what their issues are. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, because when customers are in conversation mode as well, you know, they kind of tend to talk um, and and this this business owner was obviously giving you an example of of questions that that people ask, but I like to have those face to face conversations with people as well because I think when they're in conversation you know language they're using that language that they would just use every day and they're not 
you know, putting formal statement because they're not trying to impress anyone with, you know, the right answer or the written word or what should they, what do they want me to say, you know, here? It's just like this is how I talk. And and learning how they talk and how they refer to stuff in a natural environment can be where the nuggets are. Absolutely. Nuggets of insight. Yeah, awesome. Um, So by the sounds of things, search engine optimization is an absolutely key ingredient for for small business website. Um, And it is something that you have to nominate, you know, and that you have to actually, I think, be quite, um, and you guys obviously do it as a a given, like it's part of your service and it's something that you guys are completely aware of. But I don't think it's always the case with website developers. You know, some website developers will just develop a website. They haven't necessarily put the thought behind the keywords and the, you know, the loadability and all of that sort of stuff. So I think for, for any small business owners listening, make sure that your website is, is your website developer is across this and ask them questions about it to make sure that when you are paying for a website that, that it, it will be visible online. Absolutely. Um, okay, so you've spoken a little bit about how blog posts can help us become more visible. And that example of the migration officer was a classic example because you've answered a question that a lot of people have. Um, and I can even see people literally typing in how to do a stat deck, you know, or how to do a stat strategy. So, so answering that question with a headline like, like, like that is is um is awesome how else can they help us become more visible and how else do they contribute to that search engine optimization um when people are searching into google another thing that google takes into account is their intent so you know and that sort of relates to where they are in the funnel So somebody typing in how to get a partner visa to Australia is different to what to put in a stat deck. So uh, that comes down to your keywords in that those key key ones that might be more on your homepage or your service page. So the partner visa landing page that we built for her, um, that was a lot more focused on the, the people at the bottom end of that funnel whereas what blogs do is they capture people at that top end up the in the broader awareness they're still learning um, and that's why they're a really handy tool but blogs also even just sort of separate to seo blogs can also be a lot of the time the first impression someone gets of your business they might not land on your homepage first it might be as these people are doing through this blog so Every blog needs to be written in that brand tone of voice with your with your values present and it's an important stepping stone for people. The blog is step one, but you always want to be, as I said, including those internal links. It doesn't even need to be book an appointment. That doesn't need to be the next step for this person. It might be. So, again, for this example, we actually created a guidebook about partner visas for this client, a huge done in Canva beautifully presented you know 15 page guidebook on partner visas it was a huge undertaking but that was that blog sort of led people and when they got to the bottom of it it was would you like to download our guidebook on partner visas we collect an email address (laughs) they go into the partner visa funnel so blogs separate to SEO even are so useful 
for that sort of thing. And they're also really useful as lovely tidbits you can share across your socials or in your newsletters to drive traffic back to your website, which helps your ranking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's how we share um, We share all of our blogs via, via our social channels. We certainly never just write a blog and then leave it sitting there hoping that someone will discover it. But it's funny that you that's mentioned it. about that um, the blog can sometimes be the traffic generator, like one of the main tra- traffic generators. Um, one of the girls that used to work for me, Ellie, wrote this awesome blog last year right at the height of COVID and we were going through for all of our clients, like literally building, you know, checklists for all of them going, okay, you Google my business page, this is what we need to do there, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, your website, letters, you know, every touch point, every bit of communication um, for every different client, we were putting checklists together to make sure that we'd sent out the the, the you know, the right communication for each client. So we had this great list, like a really great checklist, and Ellie put it together and as a blog post. That to this day still remains the biggest traffic generator on my website beyond my homepage for some months. Like yeah. it is insane. And I think once it gets that traction, you know, once it starts driving that much traffic to your site, it stays at the top, doesn't it? That's it because it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation is that the more traffic that's going to it and that's why, again, like a local credit union and a home loans page, they can't compete with yeah. big banks because they've got thousands of people visiting their website every day. Yeah. Um, but, again, that, that, that blog there that you just use as the example is the same thing in that you identified what do our clients need right now that checklist was really helpful for them and that's why it did so well. So blogs to me are a crucial part of SEO, yes, but it's more that SEO exists amongst your content marketing strategy. Hey, if you are loving what you hear in this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show and you want to know how you can get some of this marketing happening in your own business, come and join me in my How To Do Marketing Academy Mastermind. You'll work directly with me and a bunch of other like-minded, motivated small business owners for 12 months. And in that time, I'll show you how to plan, implement and measure the marketing that is right for your business. The results that you can expect are that way more of the right type of people are going to come and get to know your business and your brand. You'll increase your leads, you'll increase your revenue, and best of all, you'll finish the 12 months with a complete and thorough understanding of exactly how to do marketing. Head on over to howtodomarketing.com.au to find out more. Now, let's get stuck back into this episode. Now, what about, and this is a question that's a little bit off-piste, but what about for those, like for a B2B or service or expertise, IP, that kind of thing where we're writing about what you do makes sense, what about for those, those say, e-commerce sites that just sell products like clothing or I don't know, um, gifts or something like that. Do, do you think is blogging relevant for them? Like is blogging relevant for them in the same way? I mean, I guess because they're taking d- different products out that they can then share and, and the product pages on their website that, 
you know, detail the hoodie or the shorts or the candle or whatever they're selling, they're taking those aspects out and sharing those out via their platforms. How, how could they incorporate blogs? Is it necessary for them to incorporate blogs? I think it's still necessary. I would agree that it's not quite as important as service-based businesses because they really need to demonstrate their expertise in their field. They need to demonstrate how they can solve people's problems or meet that need. Retail businesses, I have seen huge success, I think, through videos and with retail for me, it really comes down to what might be simple stuff, but a lot of people still don't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Really detailed product descriptions on their websites, um, personalised. I love personalised branding when it comes to smaller retail outlets. Um, There's one called Vine Apparel that was based on the Northern Beaches. They had a shop front there. But everywhere I go, and they have really distinctive sort of looking prints and I'm obsessed with their stuff because I've bought several things from them. I see people at the park and I say, are those the Vine Apparel leopard print tights? And I knew because their visibility, like they still have a brand visibility. No, they don't do as many blogs. Um, and so it's not quite as important. But it's the brand, the blogs, as I said, also get that brand visibility out there and there are still definitely questions that can be answered in terms of retail on the retail space and you know, how to find the perfect pair of jeans because that's just every woman's nightmare yeah. <laughs> so the blogs in that sense will still help with SEO but I think they lend more to the getting your brand out there sharing fun things that get more brand awareness and traffic back to your website so if I was if I was looking for the perfect pair of jeans again I might not find them uh, traditionally but if I typed that into Google and then I read their blog I'd be inclined to click and see what kind of jeans they had yeah um yeah. It's still yeah. relevant. It's always relevant because I think communicating who you are and what you're about to your customers and potential customers is always important. Yeah. Um, but, yes, in terms of retail, it's not as not as relevant but still important. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Now, on the topic of videos, um, this is something I've been wondering recently. So if you're actually using videos on your website, how do they rank for SEO? Like are you best if you're using videos to make sure that there's a transcript within the, the page itself because the SEO will pick up yes. the transcript or will they read the video? Google prioritises engaging content as well. So videos generate more engagement a lot of the time. And so that's how that would work as well. But um, also accessibility is becoming quite huge. So with videos, um, I notice a lot of businesses that are standing out are the ones that caption their videos um, so that people that can't hear would be able to read what's happening yeah yeah, because usability is huge but yeah the more engaging the content um that 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 ranks well as well yeah that's a great point okay excellent yeah okay so what are five things that we can do because we've just heard about how important blog posts are so I know that there's there's a lot of technical aspects that, you know, you can write. A, I, I think I've got a five-page how to write the perfect blog post with all the technical instructions, and I can tell you now, not even I read that. I got bored <laughs> by, I think, halfway through. So what about just five simple things that we can do to make sure that when we do write the blog post, 
that it actually is helping us become a bit more visible. Okay, the first one, and it's always it's it's always the same, is know your audience and your purpose. So you can't decide what your focus keywords, as I've said, are going to be until you know who your audience is and what what their go is. So before I write any blog post, I ask myself three questions. Why am I writing this? Because as I said, Google ranks you on relevance. So if you're writing for the sake of writing, just stop. You're wasting your time. There's no point. The best blog posts, as you've said, with your one that ranked really well for the checklist for businesses, the best blog posts are always going to be the ones that answer that really well. Like it's, it's oh, I've been needing this for so long. Or, oh, that's answers to questions that I've been asking for so long. They will always rank the best. So why am I writing this? Who am I writing it for? And what pain points does it address? That's always step one. Um, And then you use that information. Step two for your blog post would be some keyword research. I wouldn't spend hours on it, even just half an hour. Uh, The tool that I use, SEMrush, actually has a content marketing tool within it. So I can type in my keywords that I think I want to use and it actually comes up with a list of content topics. (laughs) So That's always very handy, but um, do the keyword research. Make sure you know, so you know your target audience, all right, you know what problem they have, then just do a little bit of keyword research. What are the the search terms that are being used in this space? Because they are going to be important and will need to be included in your blog. So then step three, I guess, would be where do these keywords need to be included specifically? Um, There's several places. I have a list here. Um, The URL. When you when you sort you when you're uploading your blog into the back end, make sure that your keywords are in that URL. Um, they also need to be in your title tag and meta description. You want them at the front of your title tag as well, not at the back end of it. Um, so if it was um, the perfect pair of where to, how do I find the perfect pair of jeans? If going back to that example, uh, perfect pair of jeans would be the the front of that meta title. And then I would say, how do I find the perfect pair of jeans? Like you want those keywords to be at the front there and then in your meta description as well, which is all done in the back end of of your website as you're uploading the blog. It's like the the snippet, I think is what it's called in a lot of um, websites. You want it in your heading, obviously. Um, You want it in your subheadings, very important. You want it in at least two of the subheadings in your blog. The first 100 words is ideal. So somewhere in that opening paragraph, you want it at least once. Um, It's always also good to bold the keywords within your article. That right as well is that want, why is that is that for google because like does google notice that those words are bolded or is that so the eye picks both. up on those in right. both <laughs> yes yeah uh, you want the keywords in your image file name as well so if you're uploading images into your blog and it's is3 underscore seven nine Get, yeah, get your keyword in there. Save your images properly and get your keyword in the image title. You want alt text. You want the keywords in your image alt text as yeah. well. So that's, a, yeah. that's a, again, so that just shows how Google's prioritising usability as well yes. and yes. accessibility. Yeah. Um, and you also want it in your anchor text. So when you're sending links in your link text to other links it's yep. good to have your keywords as those anchors as well yes. 
Okay. If you can wrangle that in. Wow. So they're sort of the places in that blog article that you want your keywords to be. But obviously that's step three after you have figured out what keywords you want and figured out <laughs> who you're talking to. Um, the other step four, I guess, would be making it easy to read. Google ranks readability. So even though I just said put your keywords in all these places, if you're jamming them in for the sake of jamming them in, Google does not like you. It can tell. Yeah. Um, you are always still aiming to write well and for your audience. Keywords, yeah, they, they're important, but don't jam them in for the sake of it. Your content needs to be readable because that's also ranked. And yeah. also, if your content doesn't make sense, no one's going to read it ever again. So there's no point in even trying to do that. Yeah. Um, so readability, that is things like, a huge wall of text that's not fun for anyone no. your blogs need to have subheadings and i have spaced out paragraphs one to two sentences i when you look at any blog that i write it's hugely spaced out you don't want too many big walls of texts um short yes. sentences sentences no more than 25 words yes. short sharp sentences not big long-winded um you don't want too much jargon try and keep it simple these are all things that affect uh your readability um dashes instead of commas really Ooh. good tip dashes to break things up as you're as you're writing instead of commas because it adds that level of space and it helps people read things on the page it just does <laughs> wow um it's yeah that that added level of space it just makes it more readable um so yeah readability that's number Four. Cool. Um, number five for my blog tip would be to share it. As I said, you don't just want to you don't just want to upload it and then let it sit there and hope that people find it. Um, social media acts as an outside link, linking back to your website. So for cool. starters, yeah. that's already one awesome thing. You've got a backlink there. Um, but also, as you said, the more traffic that it generates, the better it will do. So you want as many people reading it as possible. So, yeah, go ahead, share that blog far and wide, share it on your personal Facebook page, share it on your business. Yeah. yeah. Send it to your customers via EDM. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, yeah. blogs can act as yeah, a really good little touch point. If you haven't emailed your customers for a while, but you don't want to be bothering with trivial stuff, this is a great, blogs are a great way to touch base and say, by the way, hope you're all well. By the way, I wrote this blog or we wrote this blog. Yeah. Um, have yeah. a read. Yeah. 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 Love it. And I'll even um, suggest in there as well, don't be afraid to boost, you know, if you are sharing that via like Facebook particularly, don't be afraid to boost that, to, to particularly if it's that really helpful content because you will only get so much organic reach on, on your channels. Um, so, A, try and make sure that you're posting when people are online so that there's that opportunity for people to engage with it. But, but B, you know, if this is some really good content that you think people will like, don't just limit its, you know, shareability. Get it out there to the world, promote it, you know, drive as many, use the opportunity to drive as much traffic back to your to your website as as possible for all the reasons Lauren just just said. That's that's Absolutely. Um, get it out there. Um, okay. What about mistakes? What are the mistakes that you see people make? Well, I think sort of doing the opposite of everything that we yes. said. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, yeah, writing content for the sake of it, that yeah. is a big one. And it's the same with social posts as well. Yeah. I've seen a lot of business oh, owners yeah. that think I've got to get a post out every day. And yeah. and so they just publish crap. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. they think that um that more is best. It's not. Yeah. Um the same with blogs, you know, if I'm if I'm interested in someone's blog and over time I start reading stuff and I go, this has nothing to do with me and I'm not interested in this, I start to filter them out of my, yeah. my digital communication. And same with Facebook, if I'm scrolling and I know that somebody always puts really good stuff, like New South Wales Police, their social posts are the best, yeah. I will always stop and read what they put up wow. because they have hilarious jokes and things like that. Um, oh. Whereas businesses I know or get on that, they are so funny. It's okay. Really on the hilarious. List. I'm going to find right. some examples and send them to you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so people that I know are engaging, that I know always have good stuff, go to skincare. Zoe Foster yes. obsessed yes. with her. I'll yeah. always stop and read it because I know that it's always going to be engaging. Yeah. Um, but people that over time I've realised I've stopped, I've read it, I've not been interested, I start to scroll past. Yes, yes. And it's the same yeah. with blogs. Yeah. So. Don't be publishing content for the sake of it. Yeah. Uh, always have that purpose. Always know why you're doing it. Um, I guess another common mistake is that readability factor. I don't I don't feel like enough people know that a giant wall of text on a screen is very confronting. <laughs> mm. Um, it's mm. something, yeah, it's it's the screen thing too. Like newspapers, I, I sit down with a newspaper and I get ready for a heavy amount of text. But when yeah. people are reading something on a screen, that's not what that doesn't help them. No. So um, yeah, definitely be spacing out those blogs with some subheadings. Um, spacing out your sentences. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and no call to action. That's probably another common oh, mistake. Okay. Your blog is—it's great to have a blog, but you always at the end. It, the call to action again doesn't have to be book an appointment or buy my thing. It's if you were interested in this blog, read this other one that I wrote a couple of months ago that I think you might be interested in, like yes. sending them somewhere else. Or if you've liked what we've written about here with our moisturiser, click to see what moisturisers we have available and send them to the product page. Yes. Um, of course, and as I said, with the, with the migration agent, the call to action was actually to download the guidebook. Yes. You know, the call to action does not have to be screaming at people to call you or buy your thing. Yeah. Um, just send them somewhere else on the journey. Don't let yeah. the journey end at the end of the blog post. Blog Keep post. it going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So engagement call to actions as opposed to sales call to actions. Yeah. So um, how, like if someone's listening to this now and going, oh, I don't know whether my website's optimised for search, is there a way that they can tell? Like how can they... What's the best and easiest way that they can find out if it's optimised or not? I guess going through a little a little checklist um, at a glance. So, yeah, it, I do SEO audits as part of, like, Web Studio. That's one of the, the services we offer. Um, we go through the website technically, as I said, Simon's job, and <laughs> content-wise, uh, that's my job, and I'll go through your blogs and I'll go through your homepage and all your service pages, all your product pages, and make sure they're all optimised. But I guess if I'm thinking about it from at a glance, um, do you have links would be the first thing. Is anyone linking back to your site? Do you have links within your site? That's an easy one to yeah. go and tick off. Um Again, is your content relevant and high quality? Yeah. That's an easy one. Go through your blogs um, and 
no, oh, not duplicating as well. I know that, like, especially in the financial industry, there's some, um, like, companies that publish content for you and you can just repurpose yeah. it and upload it. It's always better to, to be publishing unique content that's really yeah. high quality. Um, so that's one thing you can be doing. So links, quality content, optimised images again. Are your images huge? Um, I resize a lot of images before I upload them anywhere onto a website to make sure they're within that sort of nice size frame. Yeah. Um, page speed, you know, that's, an, that's a really easier one at a glance. Is your page taking forever to load because that's affecting your yeah. SEO? Sharing content. Are you sharing content on socials? That's an easy, yeah, another easy one to just tick off and go, that's going to be helping me. And your keywords, yeah. um, just check for them. Yeah. Think, think about what they are. If, you, if you're if not feeling comfortable enough to go down the whole keyword research rabbit hole, because even for a professional like me, it can be a rabbit hole sometimes. I find myself going deep. <laughs> um, but even just think to yourself off the top of your head, all right, what would my keywords be if I was just coming at it from a surface level approach? Yeah. And are they in my blogs? And, you know, your homepage needs to be your, your target keywords, like those really, really important ones. So, yeah. I, you know, migration agent would still be obviously needing to be on that homepage, even though it's not the key one that you're chasing. Yeah. It definitely obviously still needs to be present. Yeah. Um, Partner visa, you know, using that example again, partner visa, citizenship, parent visa, all those important things need to be on that homepage. Yeah. And then the next level would be checking your service pages, making sure your product, your key product pages, making sure those keywords are there. And they'll often be like the next stage of keywords. They'll be a little bit more detailed, more specific. Yeah. And then your blogs are sort of the more generally long tail keywords where they're the questions often that that need to be answered or the how-to guides or the checklists yeah um, and then yeah. could businesses like I guess once they've done that keyword research say let's go back to the perfect pair of jeans um and actually that's probably a really competitive keyword so if we go back mm. to how to do a stat, stat deck could they um start googling that like if if they think that that's what they want to be optimized for could they go in and start googling that or get some friends to start googling some of those keyword suggestions yeah um or yeah there's free ways there's free are. ways to do this research absolutely so when you're in google obviously as you start typing it comes up with the suggestions that telling that's telling you frequently searched suggestions yeah um and down the bottom so if i'm typing in let's uh, partner visa australia down the bottom um there's always people also ask that gives you yeah. other ideas for things that people are asking for yeah. and down the bottom there's a related searches section on google that's telling yeah. me so now i've got partner visa checklist partner visa australia requirements partner visa australia cost yeah. De facto yeah. visa Australia. So that's it's there are tools that you can absolutely use that do the work as well. Again, yeah. they're obviously not as comp comprehensive as a paid tool, but that's the kind of thing you can definitely you can be doing. And then you can see where your website ranks. So when you actually put those phrases in, you can see, well, where does my website come? Does it come on page one or page 10 for that? Yeah. And it will vary 
usually from person to person too, depending on location and their interests as well. But yeah, it, yeah, it, it'll be relatively consistent. Yeah. yeah. So again, not not one hundred and ten percent perfect, but a highly accurate way of at least getting an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, what about in? Because we 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 do love a measurement. We do love a metric <laughs> over here at How to Do Marketing. Um. If someone was going to measure the effect of their visibility and their search engine optimization, what what is a metric? What could they put on their monthly measurement schedule to see, to make sure that if they're really in there doing their best to get their search engine uh, to their website optimised, what's a metric they could look out for? One for me, um, I use Google Analytics um, yep. a lot, obviously, but again, that can also be a bit confronting and scary. It's a lot of data. You can go down many different rabbit holes there as well. But uh, the key things there, if you're looking at, again at it from sort of a surface level, is how are people finding you? Um, and that's how we discovered that this stat deck blog was doing so well because it was, again, over the homepage, the number one page that it tells you when you go into acquisition in Google Analytics, like, you know, how people have found your website through search, yeah. that page. So that'll tell you a lot. Yeah. Um, also the behaviour section in Google Analytics in terms of the journey that people are going on through your website um, is also really helpful. Again, it tells you with where they started, which is really important, but then it's also showing you where they're going through. So they might start on your homepage, but then they might go through to this page and then that page. And that's really valuable information as well. Um, obviously the demographics. So Google Analytics also tells you sort of the gender and age that people are, yeah. that are looking at your content. Um, Obviously, it also tells you whether they're on a mobile or a laptop. So, again, that just comes back to absolutely ensuring that your website's mobile friendly. It seems kind of like a given, but I still find that it's not. It's definitely not. Um, So, uh, most people, and you'll see when you look at your Google Analytics, a lot of the time most people are looking at it on a tablet or a phone. That's that's the world we live in. So, um, that's helpful there. And then... Yeah, SEMrush or SEMrush is the other tool that I use that is really helpful just to check on your rankings, like your specific rankings. And you can also look at your competitors' rankings, which is, that's, it feels very sneaky, but it's lovely. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can put their domain in and see what words they're ranking for and you can measure how you're going sort of against them. But um, yeah, if you no. want to focus on yourself, Google Analytics is sort of the best tool that I can sort of recommend from that surface level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would agree. Um, and, and it's amazing how many how many small business owners don't know that Google Analytics is free. It's a tool yes. that anybody can access. It can be plugged into any website. It will take your web developer a couple of seconds to get that set up. So if you don't know if you have it or not, go and ask your web developer if you do. And if you don't, get them to, to hook that up because what you can tell from your Google Analytics, it's not just really even about your website. We can actually start to tell how successful your radio campaign is or your social campaign. There's so much more that we can tell if it's working or not because of what's happening on your website. So, So go and get that installed if you have not. This has just been so jam-packed with value. My goodness, I've been <laughs> jotting notes as we go. This is awesome. 
So, Lauren, if listeners would like to find out more about yourself or the work that you and Simon do at Web Studio, obviously you guys are a huge part of the How to Do Marketing Academy community and some of our marketing expert specialists. But if they want to come and find you, where where are they best to, to look? Um, I always love a phone call, but a lot of people find that a bit a bit much up <laughs> Go check us out at our website first, so just webstudio.com.au. Um, have a look, you know, see if we if we feel like your kind of people. Um, but, yeah, give us a call. Email me, lauren at webstudio.com.au. You can email through, but the contact number is also on the website. I'm pretty old school. I love a chat. That's to me. I know that we live in this digital age. I still call think people to order things. I know that you can fill in forms online and Facebook Messenger, but I still always phone call. <laughs> so if you're like that, uh, you know, I'll have a chat. Have but <laughs> if you'd rather start slowly, <laughs> oh, yeah, webstudio.com.au. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. I love that there's a bit of old school in you with all (laughs) all of that technical wizardry. Um, That's awesome that you still like to pick up the phone because, you know, in regional Australia, that's that's what we do a lot of. So especially right now, my takeaway order might be the only human I speak to outside my (laughs) husband and my children. (laughs) So if you want to chat, pick up the phone (laughs) and call Lauren. Yeah, you don't need marketing services, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, she's she's on the end of the line. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for your time, Lauren. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the How To Do Marketing Show. And remember, if you want to know how you can get some of this marketing happening in your own business, come and join me in my How To Do Marketing Academy Mastermind. It has been developed just for small business owners like you. Head to howtodomarketing.com.au. And until next time, happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 